Underwriting for Auto Line this week has been provided by Ford Warner, developing advanced technologies specifically aimed at reducing emissions, increasing fuel economy, and improving performance. Our award-winning innovations extend from turbocharging and cooling systems to friction materials and diesel cold start technology. Built on a century-long reputation of innovation and reliability, we have the track record that proves our technology can help meet the challenges of the commercial truck and off-highway industry. Auto Line is brought to you in part by the commercial vehicle brands of Tenneco, pioneering global ideas for cleaner air and quieter, smoother, and safer transportation. Deloitte's Automotive Group is at the forefront, driving transformation and tackling complex challenges. Whether you are interested in globalizing operations, optimizing supply chains, mitigating enterprise risk, or driving innovation, Deloitte can help develop solutions that create long-lasting value. To learn more about Deloitte's Automotive Group, visit us online at Deloitte.com backslash US backslash automotive. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week as part of our continuing discussions here of the heavy truck market. When you talk heavy trucks in North America, there's one company you absolutely have to talk about, and that's Daimler. And we're going to get into that and what all they're doing in this market, because joining me today is the CEO of Daimler Trucks North America, Martin Dom. Martin, great to have you here on this. Thank you, yeah. Also joining us is Jeff Allen, the Vice President of Operations for Detroit Diesel, also part of this Daimler empire. But Jeff, great having you here. Thanks for having us. And joining me too is my journalism colleague, here, Neil App, the editorial director of Transport Topics, and Thank great you. to have you here Thank as well. You. Now, Martin, let's start out very simple. What is Daimler Trucks? I don't think people may know the the, the extent of the model lineup that you have, or some of the other brands that are part of it. You might not know Daimler Trucks North America, but you know our products. I bet always if you go on a North American highway, it takes you less than a minute to see our products there or there is no traffic. We are, <laughs> we are the mother company of Freightliner Trucks. That's our biggest brand. We own 100% of Western Star Trucks. We sell our school buses under the brand of Thomas Built Buses. And then we own Detroit Diesel Company that produces our engines, our transmissions, and our axles. And the trucks are from what? Roughly class what to class what? It's class 6 to 8. That's what we call trucks. The others are a little bit bigger passenger cars. You know, for <laughs> us, trucks start on this class 6. You know, that's where the real stuff starts. And Jeff, just bringing us up to speed quickly, what are Detroit Diesel's products and how does it fit into Daimler? So Detroit Diesel, we make all of the uh, heavy-duty diesel engines for Daimler Trucks North America. So this is currently the 13-liter, 15-liter, and 16-liter engines. Uh, we make all of the heavy-duty and medium-duty axles. Uh, and soon we will be producing all of the heavy-duty automatic transmissions. So we're pumping out today uh, close to 500 engines a day and about 1,300 transmissions a day um, and axles a day as well for, for DTNA. So you're getting more vertically integrated. That is, that is the strategy for sure, um, for us to really have an integrated powertrain, become more vertically integrated, and uh, have more of a captive powertrain for, for Daimler trucks. 
Neil, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. So the, uh, aut the automatic transmission, the automated manual transmissions, was a three-year process bringing it from Germany here to Detroit. Uh, and um, you, you said three years ago when President Obama, you gave him a tour of the plant, that it was your personal mission, in yeah. a way, to bring that to America. Has it surpassed your expectations, and what made you so confident that it was going to be accepted by the trucking audience? It, it has met our expectations because for me that was always a big mystery why on passenger cars, you know, nearly everyone in the United States drives an automatic transmission and nearly nobody drives a manual transmission, is not even thinking about driving a manual transmission. However, uh, and in Europe it's just the other way around, you know, there is an automated transmission reserved for the higher end cars and the lower end more than 50% drive manual transmissions. But if you look at the trucking side, in Europe we have about 95% uh, automated transmissions and only 5% manuals. But in the United States it was just the other way around, about 10% automated and 90% manuals. And but for me, there is no reason why to go, uh, why to go do manual. We, we, who, who opens his windows anymore with a manual crankshaft? You know, for what use? <laughs> Just to, 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 to get exercised while driving a car? No, you want it as easy as possible. And the same thing is with, autom with, with automation. So it was really our mission to change that market. And the, the best way to change a market, to give him an absolutely zero to none product, you know, and that was an absolute, and therefore we brought the transmission into the country. And what is the breakdown right now with the manuals and, and what would you anticipate it being in the coming years? I mean, on, 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 on the on-highway side, I'm not talking vocational talks, but on the on-highway side, at the moment, we are about 70% uh, automated, and I would say that will go up to, to 90, and the rest of the market will follow. In my opinion, we'll have a 90% penetration of automated manual transmissions pretty fast. Martin, as you well know, one of the greatest challenges for the trucking industry is trying to get drivers these days. Yeah. Is moving to manual or to automatic transmissions going to alleviate absolutely. that, or are we still absolutely. going to no, have no, a absolutely? It makes it so much easier, and it makes you so much better as even an unexperienced driver. I have a CDL, and I'm not an experienced driver, and it's night and day if you put me behind a manual transmission or an automated transmission. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, I would say I'm pretty. I would be a pretty average driver when you take every young kid, you know, off the street. I'm not a young kid, but uh, if I would start now uh, as a driver, I would be a young kid, uh, and so it makes me really expert, right? the get-go and it's so much easier to drive. And just for those in the audience who do not know what a CDL is, that's a commercial driver's license and I'm so impressed that an automotive executive absolutely has a license to go out and drive a semi. I mean, but if you, if you sell 100,000 trucks a year, you have to drive them. Yeah? How, how can you sell something which you never have experienced? Yeah? It's like, like you, you, you produce beverage and you never drink your own beverage. You know, that's not going to work either. <laughs> Jeff, could I ask you the process uh, as this plant has undergone this transformation in Detroit? What does that been like over this three-year period yeah, in terms of th this development that's going on? Uh, it's been a hell of a ride, to be honest with you. The last three years have been really fantastic. I mean, the plant, uh, as I mentioned, it's a 78-year-old facility, and the transformation that it's undergone in terms of bringing it up uh, from an automation uh, standpoint and, and really bringing it and using it full at full capacity, I mean, to produce these four or five hundred inches a day. I mean, we're running 21 shifts uh, a week right now, so that's seven, shift, seven days a week, three shifts every single day for the last couple of years. While doing that, you know, we've launched this new transmission line, so, you know, brought in, you know, for this line another hundred million dollars of investment and a lot of technology to the plant, so it's been just absolutely fantastic, and uh, I mean, we have the right people to do it, and they're really passionate about it, and we're, we're real excited to have this opportunity. And my understanding is 
not much rest time here. You're about to sort of launch a, a new project with a medium-duty engine. Yeah, so just uh, announced recently by uh, Dr. Wolfgang Bernhardt, board member, um, that we're going to be now building the medium-duty for the Class 6 and 7. Uh, it's called the uh, DD5 and DD8 engine in Detroit, and uh, we're real excited about that. So this is another $375 million, which will bring nearly a couple hundred more jobs to, to the plant and to the Detroit region. Uh, so this project um, will, uh, first of all, come over from Europe and be launched uh, next year. And then in 2018, 100% built uh, in Detroit for the NAFTA market. My Jeff, biggest oh. nightmare would be that Jeff calls me and said, Martin, I'm bored. I have nothing to do here <laughs> yeah. in Detroit. And so we just want to keep you busy. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're in any danger of that. No, no, we don't, we don't know what boring is anymore. Let's <laughs> talk about the branding. Uh, it's always been known as Detroit Diesel, but I'm seeing more and more references to just Detroit okay. with the little trademark signal there. Yeah. How did you ever be able to trademark the name Detroit, and, and why are you going with that kind of branding? Well, Martin probably can answer that better than I yeah. can, but the most... Uh, obvious thing is, is that it's not just diesel engines anymore, but Martin can, it was a genius uh, mark by Mark. I mean, I mean, I mean Detroit, Detroit Diesel was an icon in the industry, but linked to engines and diesel is ab absolutely links the product to engines. And, but we wanted transmissions and axles and we want to give them a name which was already introduced in the market, but you can't uh, name an axle diesel. You know, an axle has nothing to do with diesel. And so our marketing guys came up with a proposal to drop the diesel and put Detroit as a name in. And I was initially, I was absolutely against it and they knew that. So they put a kind of a, a video clip together where they had drivers interviewing and the drivers were always talking about Detroit and they had, they had dealers talking about Detroit. And then at the end of that clip, they had Martin Daum on stage several occasions and Martin Daum never said Detroit Diesel. He always said Detroit. You know, <laughs> you have to sell those Detroit engines. You have to sell those Detroit engines. You know, Detroit is great. De yeah, Detroit product is our future. They had all that all cut together and then I had no arguments afterwards. And it was a brilliant move and I was really? glad that they put that video together because otherwise we potentially wouldn't have done it. But now Detroit is our is our technology brand. And I think that is really what, what that Detroit stands for. We have more than 300 engineers in Detroit, you know, really tailor-making those high-tech products for the, for the U.S. markets. Uh, and Detroit is our technology brand. We want to roll our uh, proprietary technology under, under the Detroit brand. And we have now Detroit engines, Detroit transmissions, Detroit axles, but we talk Detroit assurance, that's all our safety technology. Mm -hmm. and, and we talk about Detroit Connect, that's all our connectivity products, you know, and that's all under that brand name Detroit. I'm still kind of amazed that you could actually trademark that name, that uh, the U.S. Trademark Office would allow you to trademark the name of a city. <laughs> That's, I would say the city can be proud that we use that city, you know, as a, as a synonym for, for high tech and technology, and I think they earned that spot. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a lot about Detroit. A lot of these products that we're yeah. talking about have, have a, either coming from Germany, have used in other global markets. Can, can you talk a little bit about? taking what, what is over there and sort of uh, uh, refining it for, for the U.S. regulation. I think the engine is a very good example. We sometimes have an internal Daimler joke. You know, are they running in Europe? Detroit engines, branded Mercedes, or do we have a Mercedes engine branded Detroit? Mm -hmm. The answer is both are right, because that's a 
I, it's a true global uh, engine. We put German and American, and by the way, and Japanese engineering teams together to come really up on the one side with a, a global backbone platform, how you can run that engine, but then really adapt that engine to the specific market conditions. Yeah, so our engines, for example, run 500,000 miles warranted, and then uh, that means we, we can, the normal life is a million miles. In Europe, it's a million kilometers because the distances are not that long. Mm. Our engines run here in the US 75 miles per hour, 80 miles per hour. In Europe, they are legally limited to 56 miles per hour. Um, uh, we, we have a 15-liter engine. Yeah, while in Europe they focus on 13-liter engines, but the 15-liter engine is more quiet. You know, it has a longer, better durability. You know, and, and with the same high fuel efficiency. And then what we, we play, what I call global ping pong. We introduced our Detroit family in, in in 2010. In 2014, they introduced in Germany that lineup, but better than the Detroit one. Why? Because they took the Detroit engine and improved it. And then we immediately launched our evolution product, you know, and, 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 and with, with an improved product here. So it goes back and forth. And the Germans will take now our engine today, improve them, and we'll get it back by 17, 18 with an improved product. And that's really working very well. It's not one global engine, but one global backbone, one global DNA, where then every country can pour in their intellectual power of those engineering teams. And they are very competitive. They want to have the best one, and we benefit from both <laughs> from that competition. You mentioned Japanese engineers as well. Yeah. Is this part of your tie-in with Mitsubishi? Yeah, uh, in, 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 former Mitsubishi, because we 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 own Fuso trucks in Asia, and we just uh, started a huge operation in India called Bharat Benz, because we want to be in, we are a truly global company. We want in every country be a true local company. You know, so Bharat Benz is an Indian company, Fuso is a Japanese company, as Daimler Trucks North America with Freightliner and Western Star and all the other brands. We are a truly North American uh, company. And we want to produce in that area where we live because truck tracking works on so small margins you can't have rate of exchange influences. You know, the dollar euro exchange can go haywards overnight and that the market is, is not there to, to compensate for that. So we have to put if we are want to be successful in North America, we have to produce in North America. Uh, Martin, I want to ask you about the uh, Inspiration truck, the autonomous driving truck, this high profile event at the Hoover yeah. Dam, which really reached far wider than just a, a trucking audience. Is there any way to measure the success uh, of that event? It's not about selling trucks. It's, it's sort of about uh, opening some, some new avenues of thought. Um, we were removed from that event now six months. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that. That event was far as important to show the public that we see, think far beyond the trucks we sell today. And you have to, you know, because it's a long time until those products and ultimately come to fruition. And you have to have bounce ideas. We don't know how the truck in five or ten years down the road will look like. But one thing we know, it will be a Freightliner truck. Yeah? <laughs> uh, and, and therefore, we have to work today on that. And we have to start on that. And, uh, and, and, and automation has, you have the forward movement, acceleration and braking. And I think here automation is, is pretty, uh, pretty close already. I, I, could, I could envision fairly soon a little sticker, please keep your foot off the pedal. Why? Because the truck can brake saver automatically and he can accelerate saver automatically. And that would be one of the outcomes of what we have. Steering is a little bit more difficult and then emergency braking or, or shifting lanes is even a little bit more difficult, but that will come. And there are, uh, we, we pay engineers every month a salary, so we expect something out of them, which we don't know today already. Yeah? Otherwise, why should we? Will yeah? this happen in our lifetime? Mm. Um, 
I always uh, use the term professional lifetime because I know the limits of my professional life. I don't want to limit my, my biological life. <laughs> I'm yeah? with you, Mark. I, I, <laughs> yeah? I'm with you. On so that. I would say the automatic acceleration braking we see during my professional lifetime, the automatic steering or keep your eyes off the road, I might not see during my professional life. But there might be some other technologies that come before that that I'd love to hear you talk about. Connected trucks, where yeah. trucks can talk to one another, not just for platooning. And uh, going along with that, over-the-air updates for yeah. the, the software going into yeah. trucks. I mean, that is, that is right. We've already announced it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we will launch with our next product, uh, what we call Flash Over the Air, where, where software certainly in, uh, is updated through the air. I mean, imagine you would, Apple or, or, or Samsung or Google would call you for your, for your cell phone to come to the shop to get a new version of the update of that app. I mean, you would never do that. Right. Yeah, but with a truck, you still have to do it. But pretty soon, we'll, we'll absolutely use the same technology. Mm. There's so much software these days in a truck that and we consistently improve that software so flash over the air is absolutely uh, a must and, and it'll come and we'll have it fairly soon on our trucks as we get into trucks that can not only talk to each other but maybe talk to the traffic infrastructure yeah. there's some promising uh, outlooks of the benefits that you could get in fuel efficiency and emissions how, yeah. how do you see that uh, absolutely, that's another field uh, where we'll have first the, the, the technology and the, secondly then the use cases, you know, uh, where you can use it. But I, I would say it would make the traffic more efficient and, and much more safer. Mm -hmm. yeah. The greenhouse gas uh, rules for, for uh, commercial vehicles, which are in the process of, of being finalized, may go out to 2027, it, it looks like. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit. Is the time frame the second quarter of next year? And, and what are some of the challenges that, that the uh, trucking industry may face in relation to that? I mean, the uh, EPA announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, the, the technology roadmap, what they expect from exhaust regulations to 2022, uh, 2021, 2024, 2027. And we as an industry highly embrace it, you know, because the easy stuff is already invented. You know, that means the next step gets tougher and tougher, and as more time you have, as better the solution ultimately will, will be. Uh, and therefore, we, we first of all applaud and, and appraise that long time frame. Uh, at the moment, there is a negotiations going on. There are a lot, there, it's a fairly complex rule because there's not one truck. You know, a, a, tr a logging truck. Uh, uh, has complete different requirements in a truck on the highway. So we have, for example, low-resistant tires, which are great if you haul freight in a, on, 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 a, on a smooth surface uh, in, in, in fair weather. But uh, a low-resistance tire on a logging truck is a disaster. You know, that makes the truck get stuck. So you need, you need for, there's so many different applications in where you need really tailor-made regulations. And we have all the same targets, certainly. That means safe uh, CO2, make the, uh, our planet uh, safer on the one side. And, and that fits our intention in the trucking industry, too. Fuel efficiency is the name of the game. The most fuel-efficient truck gets the most customers. And I know that because we have it. Yeah? So I, I see that every day. Um, and, and so we have to work together on that uh, and figure it out. However, now comes a big however. Uh, for me, similar important than now watching EPA and what the regulations are is for me national infrastructure. Because if you look, if you look at, the, at the fuel that gets wasted every year through congestions, 
and through traffic jams because of accidents. That's 2.2 billion gallons every year wasted for trucks and cars sitting in traffic jams. Mm. The EPA ruling that just proposed one over a 10-year period of time saves us 1.8 billion fuel. That means we waste every single year more than 10 years of the toughest ruling together can save us. That means for me it's absolutely necessary that we invest in our national infrastructure and look for the bottlenecks. Imagine if we just could get 10% of the bottlenecks resolved, that would save as much annually as the toughest ruling we can think for the year 2027. Of course, this all takes money. Do you think the trucking industry would be open to higher fuel taxes, for example. The trucking, you will be surprised. Yes, the trucking industry. And I know that, Neil, you can potentially allude to that because you work very closely with ATA together. Uh, I think ATA, the American Trucking Association, supports the tool. Yes, it, we would love anti-tax that. anti-tax climate. Do you think it yeah, could happen, they, Neil? They have, have long advocated for an increase in the federal fuel tax. It's very little support for it right now in Washington. Uh, a lot of the states are going out on, on their own to, uh, to invest, find ways to invest because they're tired of waiting on the federal government. Uh, it might be a new highway bill soon, which could give some clarity, some, some assurances on the federal funding. But uh, th- that federal fuel tax is something that has not been raised since 93. There's a large push to do that. But the, uh, the support, we're coming up on a presidential year, that, that support is not there. But it is something that the trucking industry, maybe not everyone across the board, it's a diverse industry. But, but on the whole, there, there is support for that. They're just not the backing for it in Washington right and now. And to get us right, we don't want that money just raised and then wasted. We want that money raised and then invested in the infrastructure of that country. That's an amazing statistic, that we waste more fuel in congestion and traffic jams than what new regulations could Could save us over 10 years, (laughs) you know. That's an extraordinary. Does any of this affect uh, what you have to do there, Jeff, or you're just worrying about production? No, no, no. We we Uh definitely worry about a lot. But, I mean, the the technology, for sure, we have to keep up with that. And, you know, as the regulations change, the technology change, and when the technology change, you know, we continue to invest in the plant. Um, you know, in addition, we have some responsibilities within the plant as well because we produce, you know, we use a lot of energy. So we also have our part, you know, in the plant. I mean, our electric bills in, in our facility are over $1 million a month, <laughs> a month. That's what it takes to produce the energy. So we also conserve a lot and we have a lot of programs. For example, in our facility, we are 100% landfill free. I mean, a facility of our size, 3.2 million square feet and not one thing goes to the mm-hmm. landfill. Um, not to mention, you know, some of the uh, energy management uh, savings that we've been doing with, with all of these changes in the plant. For example, within the next two years, uh, all of our plant will be lit with LED lights. I mean, we have all very uh, variable frequency drive air compressors throughout the facilities. So really from the time we started to the time we're done in 2018, our net energy savings within the plant is going to be about a 32% reduction. And that's net based on increased volume, but it also takes things into account like the rough wet weather and the rough uh, rough winters that we've been having. So uh, we also have our part that we can do to try to conserve as well. Yeah, (laughs) at a million bucks a month just for the electric bill, you can afford to put some money into reducing that. So 32%, you know, over a 10-year period, that, that adds up as well. So... But what you really like with Jeff and his facility, it's it's a focus on the detail, you know, because the big stuff is invented. You know, the, the, the progress comes really to that comprehensive, systematic view, you know, really going through every single item and try to cut waste out of the of, of the thing and improve, you know, every day and never be content, you know, always push the push it further. 
Yeah, that's a challenge. I mean, the products are fantastic, and that makes them challenging to build. I mean, one of the other things that uh, that we just launched in Detroit was uh, what we call a uh, turbocharger captive, meaning the first ever Daimler designed and manufactured turbocharger. And this, uh, you know, so we're pretty proud of the fact that Daimler chose Detroit to make this turbocharger because we're not only assembling it, but we're also machining the rotor for this turbocharger. And then we're talking, you know, tolerances of plus or minus two microns and doing things like laser welding the shaft. So some of the things, uh, as Martin said, it really requires a lot of attention to detail and making sure that we get it right because at the end of the day, that's, that's what sets us apart. So and we really are very welcome for these opportunities to be a precision manufacturer. And what takes part makes really that part so special is because he supplies the entire world with it. Yeah. Yeah, so that means we export to every single dime location worldwide from Detroit. Okay, you're working flat out right now. Three sevens, five days a week, or seven days a week, excuse me. But the market's running red hot right now in North America. How long is it going to run like it's going, Martin? Another week or so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, uh, certainly 2015 was a really good year. It was, I think, the second, third best year uh, in, 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 in the U.S., and that means we expect next year a little bit of cooling off. But that's not a problem. We are in a volatile uh, industry. And uh, we see it slightly less than 2015, but still better than 14. And I tell everyone, we had been pretty happy in 14, so we shouldn't be worried too much about 16. Uh, trucking is a volatile industry. Why? Because you don't buy a truck just to want a truck, because you need a truck. And freight dictates the trucks, and uh, the freight volume is continuously climbing. Uh, and I think at the moment we have a fairly well-balanced truck uh, population in the U.S., not too old, not too young. That means regular replacement is there, a little bit of growth, but in total that, that will lead to that. Still strong, but not overheating market. And that's good, yeah, because overheating normally is followed by a recession. So I would say that what we call a soft landing going toward that long-term average is, is it's pretty good for the industry. And how does that compare with the global marketplace right now? I, the globe is that's that's always the fun part when I I'm, I'm part of the board of uh, directors of Daimler Truck globally where we have people from everywhere China India Japan Brazil Europe I mean the globe is a fairly complex and diverse piece you know you have regions who are booming uh, Northern Europe for example you have regions who are struggling a lot like Brazil. Japan is doing well, Indonesia is struggling, and when you produce and be the leading brand in nearly every market in the world, you get the good, the bad, the ugly, and the awesome. <laughs> Fortunately, we are a little bit more on the awesome side these days in the United States, and I'm blessed with that. Thank you. <laughs> and I know one thing, too, is uh, your customers have faced as much as a six-month backlog in trying to get their trucks, so maybe cooling off could help that? Yeah, waiting six months for your product is not that good. And, and, I, and I don't want anyone complacent out there. You know, we, we have to be hungry and, and we have to be really caring for our customers. So a shorter backlog helps a lot to get that feeling up again. 
Really good. With that, we're going to have to wrap this up. Very interesting discussion. It's so great to see the segment that you guys are in running so red hot as it is right now. Just very impressive. But I want to thank you. Uh, Martin Dom, the Chief Executive Officer for Daimler Trucks of North America. Jeff Allen, the Vice President of Operations at Detroit Diesel, or maybe just Detroit, <laughs> I should say now. Neil App, the Editorial Director for Transport Topics. I want to thank all of you for having come on today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank I you. hope you've enjoyed this discussion. This is something that's new for us here at AutoLine this week of going into the heavy truck segment. It's not as well followed in the general media as it probably should. Such an important part of the American economy and really the economies of the world. So please join us again next week for another episode of AutoLine This Week. Underwriting for AutoLine This Week has been provided by Ford Warner, developing advanced technologies specifically aimed at reducing emissions, increasing fuel economy, and improving performance. Our award-winning innovations extend from turbocharging and cooling systems to friction materials and diesel cold start technology. Built on a century-long reputation of innovation and reliability, we have the track record that proves our technology can help meet the challenges of the commercial truck and off-highway industry. Auto Line is brought to you in part by the commercial vehicle brands of Tenneco, pioneering global ideas for cleaner air and quieter, smoother, and safer transportation. Deloitte's Automotive Group is at the forefront, driving transformation and tackling complex challenges. Whether you are interested in globalizing operations, optimizing supply chains, mitigating enterprise risk, or driving innovation, Deloitte can help develop solutions that create long-lasting value. To learn more about Deloitte's Automotive Group, visit us online at Deloitte.com backslash US backslash automotive.